tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Open your mind. Back in the saddle, back in the chamber of truth, the dojo truth. You know who I am. You know what I'm here to do. I'm here to rock, okay? Banging hoes, saving souls. That's what we do on this show. Joining me as always is my partner in crime, the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only, Xavier Guerrero. What's XG. up? How are you? Good, feeling good. Big week, big week. Huge week. Very jacked for this week, as you can tell. I've had a lot of coffee, and I've been stuck in traffic. And I'm very excited today, this week, man. We got big shows to announce. Please don't skip over this. Some of you guys hit me up on Twitter. Hey, you coming here? When I know I made the announcement that I'm going there. So when you ask me if I'm coming here, and I know I already said I'm going there, I know you're not listening, and it hurts my feelings. And now I got to get a therapist. Guys, tomorrow night, it is the one, it is the only Absolute Extract presents Comedy Chaos. That's right, Comedy Chaos live in the main room. The first show is sold out. No more tickets available. Second show tickets going quickly. Shab, Anthony Jeselnik, Finesse Mitchell, Josh Wolf, myself, the Smash Brothers, and who knows who else jumps in. Shit is going to pop off. Okay, going to pop off. All right. But then Friday night, we're back. Friday the 13th, we are at the Cobbs in San Francisco. San Fran, we're coming. That's right. Myself, XG, Eddie Bravo, and we got our good friend, everyone's favorite drug dealer, will be joining us. Tiger will be popping up. Look at that. And shirts will be available. I've already seen the shirts. They look good. Okay. That's this. This Friday night, I believe it's the 10 p.m. show. Cops show up, locked and loaded. Okay, we're cu- we're coming for bear. All right. Then we have what's the next one after that is Austin. Austin. We're being Comedy Austin massacre. Yeah, it's the second annual. It's the s- number two. It is the Tim Fall Hat Texas Comedy Massacre live once again at the stateside at the Paramount Theater. Myself, XG, Eddie Bravo, and you never know who might pop in. You never know <laughs> who might pop in for the Q&A at the end. It could get really interesting. So grab your tickets now. Then, October 4th, we are at the Gramercy in New York City. That's right, New York City. We are coming October 4th. Gramercy, grab your tickets. New York City is our second biggest market, so I guarantee you these quick... these. These tickets will go quickly. Myself, Eddie Bravo, Bam, XG, and then my good friend from the Electric Kool-Aid podcast. She'll be joining us live on stage, Lauren Petrie. So come get those tickets. I'm excited to go kick in the doors, blaze in 4-4. That's right. We're the poster, Escape to New York. We're coming. We're okay. Coming. 
we came, we saw, we changed nobody's life. <laughs> and then today I'm announcing for the first time in the main room at the Comedy Store, October 22nd, it is the Tinfall Hat Show. Myself, XG, Eddie Bravo. We might add Tim Dillon to it. I'm deciding if he's out of uh, uh, jail now, out of my own personal, hey, I backed out two gigs with you, jail. <laughs> he's on probation. If he's a good boy... He's gonna be in the show, so that'll be the that'll be the four of us. Who else? Who knows who else might jump into that show? It's gonna be a good one, and we might add other guys. There's so many like conspiracy comics. It's uh, I might go two shows. Q and A it. Q and A it. You don't know. Q and A it, dude. We might do. So those are the big ones, and obviously, uh, our shows are brought to you by our good friends at Absolute Extract. That's all right. Absolute Extract. Go to abx.org. Use a promo code CHAOS, and you get 20% off of all your purchases, anything, vapes, CBD. Can we get more CBD advertisements everywhere? Can we get more? Because there's not enough. There's not enough. Everyone's got CBDs, right? Every, dogs got CBDs. Chicks got CBDs for their vajayjays. You can get your vagina high enough to beatbox. That's right. Okay? You name it. Vape. Pens, you know, everything going big. And it's all from our good friends at Absolute Hey, but it's so common now that there's a couple deaths on this vape shit. What? Yeah, people be dying from the vapes. You can get them at the liquor store now. But guess what? I hit them up. Guess what? That is they not got an absolute no, but No, that's what I'm saying. I called them and I asked them. I was like, hey, you don't guys. They're like, no, we're all straight. None of that bullshit chemical straight weed. Dude, I asked them. They're top notch. Yeah, that's what natural. I'm saying. If you don't want to die, yeah. go to abx.org. Use the promo code chaos okay and then it's football season and you want conspiracy how about antonio brown forcing his way out and conveniently signing with the pats that's a conspiracy right there you can kiss dicks antonio brown kiss dicks okay with your bullshit going to the the fucking the death star the dark side okay but hey if you want to make some bet go to hat 100 on on Bet DSI. Bet DSI for all your bet needs. They support the show. They are our longest running sponsors, and it's now getting good. You got baseball. You got football. You got UFC. Khabib just wrecking shop on people. Okay? You got boxing is great. White guys are back in boxing, everybody. It's a one. Welcome to the upside down world of 2019. That's right. We got gay black rappers in cowboy hats, and we got awesome white boxers. There are no rules. There are no rules, and we have fucking lesbian astronauts committing space crimes. <laughs> what is going on? There are no rules. What is up is really down. So that's a female it. Female kicker this year. No, uh, it's not I happening. Heard that, no, no that, it's well, not happening, dude. NFL players like hitting women when it's illegal. <laughs> what do you think they're going to do when it's legal? Okay, so guys, t-shirts are available. Go to tinfoilhatt-shirts.com. All the t-shirts are available, and then the Patreon is killing it. I put up just in the last, I put up four hours of content on there in the last seven days. Patreon, go to timfallhatpatreon.com. And dude, shit is popping. Enough with the sales. Did I miss anything? No, you're good. You're great. Damn, I'm Got it all. Shit. Uh, there's an old saying in podcasting, if you want to make God laugh, tell, tell everybody your scheduled guest. And they will all cancel on you. But all but one. But luckily, when I got cancellation, I knew I had a, a really, really great chance to get, uh, I think, one of the best, best 
investigators in the business, one of the best reporters in the business, uh, what this guy is doing, he doesn't have to. He could easily be in one of those really shitty cable news shows selling you junk, but he decided, nope, I'm going to be a brave man. I'm going to go on my own and do it on his own. Okay, he's got a brand new podcast coming out, Truth Media, and we're very excited to talk to him. Uh, I'm proud to say, I'm not afraid to say, Tim Fall Hat regular, okay? My good friend, yours, okay? One of the hardest hitting reporters in the game, and he's so good looking, he makes us all a little gay. Please welcome <laughs> my good friend, Ben Swan, everybody. How are you, Ben? Thanks for having me on. What an intro, man. What an intro. Well, you're the best, dude. I'm so thankful that you uh, you came in. We had a great guest, and I feel like we got an even better guest. So I'm super excited for you. Ben, before we get into everything that we want to talk about, tell us about your new podcast, man. Yeah, so we just launched it uh, a week ago, and we've, we've got this thing up and running now. It's essentially, I mean, it's a very different format than what a lot of people do with podcasts. It's much more in, into taking one big news story that's going on and really trying to break down, uh, you know, some of the issues around it, facts that surround it. Uh, there's a lot of speculation out there. And so what we really want to do is be focused on being very fact-oriented, truth-oriented, just like you guys are, truth-oriented. Uh, Thank and, you. And, and cover stories that other people aren't covering from a different kind of an angle. So that's what we've been working on. We have great guests who are a part of it. Uh, and, and again, we're hitting subject matter that I think a lot of folks are just unwilling to touch. That's kind of the idea behind it. And it's available everywhere, iTunes, Stitchers, all the amazing Every- places. You got it. Absolutely. Awesome. You, can, you can get it all those places. Of course, we're up on... Uh, up on social media, all the social engineering sites. That's what yes. we should be calling it now. Social engineering sites like Twitter and Facebook and all that. So. For all the uh, astroturfing places where they create fake ground roots movements. Um, so, Ben, I want to talk to you about something before we get into everything. Is uh, A lot of people, you keep hearing journalism's dead. And I say, no, not true at all. Journalism has gone peer-to-peer. The real investigating yeah. is being done on YouTube, on Steam It, on Tumblr, on the podcast. You have people who are just not really consumed with the almighty dollar, but really consumed with the truth, like he's, and yourself. Where do you think journalism is right now? Is it dead or is it just evolving? Oh, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's not that it's dead, but it has completely taken on a new form. And actually, it's not really a new form of for being honest. It's an old form. I mean, this is what journalism used to be. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about back in the 50s. I'm talking about 100 years ago, 200 years ago. This is what journalism was. It was peer to peer. It was information that was shared between people. And in some cases, it would be some you know local person who could create a, a newspaper or somebody who's writing a pamphlet. And they're, and they're sharing information. We are in a much more technological age where information can be shared in a way that it never has in human history. But you're absolutely right. Journalism is not dead. What is dead is the idea that there is an, an almighty on high force or voice that is going to dictate to you what is true and what is not. That is what is dead. And, and thank God that is dead. I'm so glad that that form of media is going away because it is proven to be uh, unhealthy It's proven to be a sham. It's proven to be propaganda. It's proven to be uh, detrimental and even deadly to millions of people around the world. It has been it has proven to be a a deadly recipe to allow one or two people to assume the position of anchor or journalist that I will tell you what is true and I will tell you what is not true. And then you must fall in line with that in your belief system. And so I think we should all be glad, you know, that ding dong, that which is dead. That's that's over with. And now we're moving into a new phase of journalism where there's a lot more freedom. The problem is, 
is those social media sites like Facebook and YouTube and Steemit, those sites, the, the places where people can go to share information, there is a battle right now for control of those sites. And, and they're a battle for the control of how information is shared. That is what so many people, like the Atlantic Council, so many people in you know the federal government, the CIA, they are working to control those avenues because if you can control that, uh, you can ultimately control what the people believe. And so that's where the next battle is. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I, it's dangerous what they're doing. And they just keep repeating it. As we, It's so interesting. Um, someone put out a Michael Moore clip on which he's interviewing uh, the, this group of people, these delegates, these voters from West Virginia. And they were talking about how Hillary... Uh, basically jacked all the delegates from West Virginia while winning none of them. And it it was so real today that I thought it was a brand new movie Michael Moore is putting out. Like he's trying to make amends to us for trying to lie to us about all the Russian gate stuff. And my friend's like, no, that's from his movie that went out a couple years ago. Uh, But what we're seeing is over and over and over again, the same tricks being played Uh, just right now. Ben, we just saw how how crazy is it that these Taliban who wanted us out of out of Afghanistan just decided, uh-huh. you know what? Yeah, we want you to go, but we're gonna fucking shoot you guys and and blow up bombs and maybe kill you guys, even though we want you to leave, even though that makes no logical sense that they would do that when they're in negotiations to let's go. Yep. But what does Pompeo go? You know what? We're breaking off these, we're breaking off these talks because, because these Taliban won't play nice, even though we want to leave. And it's like, no, you don't want right. to leave. And we know you don't. And it's ridiculous. Well, thoughts but, on that. but that happens. That happens. That literal scenario that you just described happens every time the U S says we're going to leave someplace. It happens every time. This, the, the exact same thing happened when we were going to leave Syria a couple of years ago. Remember this? And then all of a sudden, Assad decided, oh, you're leaving next week? Well, before you go, I'm going to gas some children. Let me just use some chemical weapons and kill a bunch of kids because you're leaving anyway, so it doesn't matter anymore. I can do whatever I want. And, and the problem is, is that you have this, this idiotic media in this country that is part of that system. Right, that plays along with it, that reports it with a straight face as if it's true, as if this is really what, what is taking place. There's no critical thinking. There's no questioning. There's not a single voice on any mainstream network who will sit up there tonight and say, uh, this, this doesn't make sense. Why would the Taliban do this? If the Taliban have been trying to get rid of us for 18 years, they've been trying to get us out of there. And now we say we're leaving. And by the way, they're stronger now than they were before. They have more influence now than they did before we got to Afghanistan the first time. So they've already won. Uh, but they would say, no, before you go, as you said, a parting gift, let's blow some stuff up just to show you how strong we are. It's nonsense. And, and I don't even think the general population even bothers to believe it. But here's the thing. It won't even make most newscasts tonight. It won't even be covered very much because there's no reason to even cover it. There's such a narrow focus of what's even talked about that it's one of those peripheral things. Oh, yeah, Taliban. That equals bad. That equals Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, we, that, we, we can't leave. We're there. Yeah. And so, I, I, you know, people, I don't think people necessarily even believe it. Just like, you know, when we talk about like the Jeffrey Epstein thing. You know that only uh, one third of the country, one third of the country believes he actually committed suicide. It shows you that people are pretty awake and say, I don't believe this stuff. But the problem is, is there are very few places that are actually um, influential enough to change some of the policies that we're seeing.
I couldn't agree more, and it just doesn't make any sense. And we don't even know if the attack really happened because we know the Gulf of Tonkin comes out later. Right. Never really happened. And we don't know if someone died. But God forbid, man, that these people let this happen and somebody lost their son or lost their daughter so that we could stay in Afghanistan. Like we found out while um, the... Um, while uh, with the Iran and shooting down one of our drones that just happened to be by a jet or a um a fighter plane with U.S. personnel on it, like like do you guys does anyone realize what that represents? That represents a sacrifice. They were going to sacrifice those people on that plane to ignite a war. Whose kids are those? Are they any right. Bushes? Are they any Cheneys? Are they any Trumps? Right. Are they any Pompeos? Are they any Boltons? Are they anybody of any consequences? No. They're sacrificing your kids. They're sacrificing our kids for banker wars so we could start a fight with them. Why doesn't anyone ever see this? Ever? What's yeah. it going to take, Ben, to get people to stop co-signing on the bullshit? <laughs> that's a tough question. Uh, well, in this you know, interview I, I, where I, I just yell at you for an if hour. If, if we're going to get people to stop believing this stuff, and as I said, I, I think people are believing it less and less, uh, but we have to be able to, to get... Okay, so let me back up a little bit. So I think people were already breaking free of a lot of this. If you go back into 2014, 2015, 2016, there was a lot more going on in that social space where people were having a lot of these conversations. I mean, I truly believe we did not go to war with Syria because of social media. It actually prevented a U.S.-Syrian war. It really did. Because if you look at all the buildup to the war, everything that we did in Libya, everything we did in Afghanistan and Iraq, we were doing it all again. It was the exact same playbook. The only difference was if you, if you were on social media at the time, you saw this incredible surge of people talking about it in a very critical way. And what I think was happening was that there was this, this uh, kind of mass group of people who were challenging these ideas because it's not going to be challenged on CNN or Fox News or <laughs> MSNBC. It's not going to be challenged there. But it was being challenged in, the, in these other places. And, and I, what I think happened was that people who were involved in like the Atlantic Council and people in the CIA and these higher ups of the Pentagon, they were looking at this. And what they realized was that the public had gained a way to be able to challenge these ideas and to build mass support that was, you know, against some of these these ideas. Right. And so what's happened since 2016, from 2016 to 2019, we're going through a crazy period of time in which there are thousands of people and pages and, you know, uh, entities and individuals being banned from these social sites. The influential ones are being banned. Conservatives think, oh, it's because they are on the right. It's not, it has nothing to do with right or left. It has to do with anyone who is an anti-establishment uh, figure who challenges that authority, who challenges that narrative, is being removed. Or if they're not being removed, what they're doing is they're um, shadow banning them. So they're killing the algorithm. They're killing access to them. People can't see their content when it's put up, so they think they're putting stuff up. No one sees it. It's not going anywhere. It's basically like you're, you're shouting into a hole in the ground, like nobody can find you. And so they, they've eliminated access to this. And that is a very intentional strategic process to say people were becoming way too awake 
and way too informed through social media. And so we've got to control that. It, that's why if you go on Facebook today, you know, Facebook pretends, oh, we cleaned it up to get rid of all these these bad actors who were on. There weren't a bunch of bad actors on Facebook. But what they are really trying to clear off are is anyone who is anti that kind of uh, establishment rhetoric. And they've removed them systematically. And, and by the way, they do it because they say, oh, you know, like the Russians were hacking our democracy. No, if you want to violate democracy, if you want to destroy the voice of people, what Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube have done in the last three years has done more to impact democracy, has done more to impact truth, has done more to impact how people would vote on issues and what people know than any $100,000 in Russian ads that were ever bought. And so I think what, what it's going to take for people to become even more awake is new systems that challenge these, these social engineering sites that are now out there. And I won't even call them social media because they're not media anymore. They're engineering. They're about focusing you and controlling you and making you believe something that's absolutely not true. And I, one more thing before you go back to you. Um, I didn't want to indicate that I thought that it was a, a fake attack in Afghanistan. Uh, if it came off that way, I actually believe I, that they I do blow up I stuff said over that. there. I, I said that we also. don't know. And I agree with you. You're killing sons and daughters, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers. You are putting our people in harm's way to continue a war that never should have been started in the first place. Well, for sure, Ben. And for the record, I'm the one who said that, brought off the, and I'll take full credit for it. And you shouldn't get any flack on that because I question it all. We don't know what really happened. You know, the first Gulf War, they were like, where are the tracks? Where are the troops? Where have all this stuff that they said? We don't know. This, they're, they're, dude, it's about psychopaths and dollar bills. I got to ask you, Ben, do you think that the Internet got away from the elites? As we know, the Internet was either uh, developed from CERN or some military thing, a great way to control the information or get more information to them. We got the blue check marks uh, that I, I don't trust anybody with a blue check mark. If you have one, Ben, you'll be the first one I trust. But the rest of them, <laughs> I don't trust any of them, okay? Even personal friends I know are scumbags. I don't trust any of them, okay? But it... Everyone thinks that the internet is so controlled, and I think it might have gotten away with them from them because the information that's out is not information they want out, okay? Rapid pedophilia, uh, Zionism, the influence of Zionism, uh, you know, these foreign actors, the lying that went on, the uh, FISA gate uh, uh, scandal that I, I'm still yeah. waiting it for it to hit. Do you think it's possible that they, like feminism, let's say, they, as we know, that there's some deep-rooted CIA uh, uh, role in the, the emergence of feminism. Now, feminism is a wonderful thing. When it's done right, weaponizing of any movement is not good. But could have gotten away from it. With every movement. Right? Yeah. So I say all, all uh, you know, culture is manufactured. It's black culture, feminist culture, uh, whatever culture it is, it is manufactured. We see deep roots. But do these things get away from them? Where it starts as one thing and then it grows so much and people get uh, energized and into it that it gets away with them? Or, or we be manipulated and we don't even know it from the internet with all this information coming out. Your thoughts? So, so I think you're right. I think that it did. I think it got away from them for that period that I was kind of talking about. I think for really if you 2007, 2008 until about 2016, I think it did get away. I don't, I don't think that the elites thought uh, that they were going to have 
there was going to be as much influence coming out of this space as they thought there was going to be. I think what they really thought it was going to be was a great way to control information and pass information. But you have to remember that uh, nobody can predict something they've never really seen before, right? And so what I mean by that is if you were an elite in the 1970s and 80s, after the 60s, after you saw the, these, these protest movements were getting away from you and and these anti-war protesters are getting away. There was a lot that got away from the elites in the 60s. And then you get into the 70s and 80s, and the control was, well, you know, how do we control a lot of this? And a lot of that came through traditional uh, mainstream media. And then when the internet came along, it was supposed to stay in that vein, and it didn't. And, and I think what, what the elites always underestimate, because they live in bubbles, right? Media lives in bubbles. Politicians live in bubbles. And they, they are surrounded by people, it's all groupthink, who think the way they think, who act the way they act, who believe what they believe. And so when you're in this bubble, it's very difficult to understand that other people are thinking in different ways and differently than you do. And I think what happened was in that time frame when social media came along, because the internet, I mean, you had some, blogger, some bloggers and some blogging prior to that um, that was influential, but social media which was supposed to be, I think, a real way of really controlling and monitoring people, uh, really got away in a way that I think elites did not expect it. And what happened was uh, there was a lot of, of understanding and depth that like-minded people could find through the internet. And it was a much faster form of communication with each other and sharing, peer-to-peer sharing. Um, and that's why I'm saying I think the, the, the push in the last three years has been to say we have to fix that. I mean, if you look at what, what Google has done since 2016, Google has already been problematic long before 2016. But since 2016, this, this ML uh, fairness campaign they have, machine learning fairness, which essentially is an algorithm that decides what you see when you type in a Google search bar. And the, the whistleblower he um, who came out to – uh, the guys over at uh, James O'Keefe and yeah, the yeah, Project yeah. Veritas gave really in- interesting information. If your viewers have not watched that, I would encourage them to go and watch what this guy has to say because it, it answers a lot of your questions about when you type something into the Google search bar and you get these ridiculous results. And, and what he provided were documents showing the, the method behind this madness. And the method is very simple. We want to decide what people see in order to create a fairer, more equitable society. The problem is it's what they have decided is fair and equitable. Yep. Yep. And it's who decides what's hate speech and who's what is hate speech. What's not hate speech. You know, it's like Antonio Brown. You know, if somebody calls a black athlete, the M word, which is wrong. Okay. They get suspended. If a black athlete calls the GM a cracker and nothing happens. Now, Cracker makes us laugh. That's why they get so angry at it. It's just, it's a ridiculous term because we've taken the word back. That's truly what it is. I mean, we haven't, don't even get me started on that. I think the N word is a giant psyop that people call themselves the fucking slave owners words for that. I just, it's ridiculous. But back to what we're talking about. I want to get into one more thing. And uh, this isn't something we talked about earlier, but this, this, we're kind of talking about how it got away from them. Hillary Clinton, she's ancient person. She, I think she's in her 70s now, right? Uh, 
emails uh, got hacked. Got I don't think they got hacked. I think they were downloaded by Seth Rich and given to WikiLeaks. The narrative being put out by by uh, the View and Pamela Anderson just going. Bruce Lee, four on one, destroying everybody uh, with their their propaganda. Those silly little mockingbirds that are sitting there trying to regurgitate stuff. We all know that's not true. And then yep. we find out that this, you know, Hillary's email guy who got busted uh, trying to bleach her emails. He's also set up this email that was directly sent to a Chinese shipping company. Now we know China's communist. And what does that mean? That the government owns everything, including a right. shipping company. And these emails were sent in real time. This is not a scandal. Nobody's talking about this. Do you have any thoughts on that, Ben? Yeah, well, I, I look, I think that what we see over and over, right, happening with Hillary Clinton and her emails and, and uh, this entire situation is that the, the U.S. government right now is on a what I would call a quiet, almost silent campaign, silent because it's just not getting covered at all. We're covering it. Actually, we're doing a, a, a new episode on this for our podcast coming up in, in just uh, two weeks from now. But there is a, an incredible, almost silent campaign taking place right now to purge the world of WikiLeaks and to purge the world of everyone associated with it. Chelsea Manning, uh, the, uh, Julian Assange, uh, this uh, Jeremy Hammond, who was the, the anonymous guy uh, who hacked into Stratford. There has been this incredible effort being made that right now continues to punish each one of these individuals keeping them in prison when they're not even supposed to be in prison. I mean, what's being done to them um, goes beyond anything that we've seen in the past. And so what I think is this, when, when we talk about what happened with Hillary, what happened with Joe Biden's son and, and his connections to Ukraine, is that we have this incredibly perverse system of elites uh, in Washington who have controlled so much of what goes on around the world. And at the same time, anyone who, who sheds light on it has, has now been shifted into becoming public enemy number one. And the U.S. government's tried to do that for some time. It didn't work for a while. For a while, there was like this, you know, real support for WikiLeaks and, and Assange, and that's gone away. Um, and now we're seeing this incredible time where anyone who was associated with leaking or giving out this information is, is getting this smear of being an enemy of the state. And it's really incredible that I think the public has kind of either bought into it too much or doesn't even care. I think there are too many people in our society right now who just don't care that Julian Assange is literally dying in a jail cell right now. Um, and it doesn't matter to them that, that Chelsea Manning, who was already had her sentence commuted, is not supposed to be in jail and is going to sit in jail for another year because she won't testify in front of the secret grand jury and is going to owe $441,000 in fines when she gets out. And then you have Jeremy Hammond, who was supposed to be released this December, after serving almost 10 years in prison for hacking into Stratford's email system and then sharing it with WikiLeaks, who is now looking at an extension of his prison sentence by two years over the same grand jury. So there is a, an absolute miscarriage of justice. It's not justice at all. It's completely unjust what's taking place. And yet, simultaneously, too many people, as I said, in, in the public just they either don't care or they're completely uninformed about it. And, and just look at the what was being said on that view with Pamela Anderson. I don't know if you saw it, Ben, but 
You know, God bless Pamela Anderson. I mean, like, she's been hot for, like, three decades. And now she's, like, the hero. She's not the hero we want. She's the hero we need. She goes into this lion's den and just lights everybody up. And, like, why are we listening to McCain? I don't know why anybody takes her voice on anything other than being winning the fucking sperm lottery and being (laughs) born to a war criminal. Okay. And then you got Joe Bayer going around telling everybody she's a comic, having her say anything funny ever, bringing up stuff that already's been disproven, which is uh, Russian hacking. Okay, that's not real. We've all moved on. Or how, oh my God, you know, McCain's talking about how Julian Sage is an information terrorist, I think was the term that they were using. And you're like, no, he's exposing war crimes. Why do we want war crimes by our military exposed? Because when our sons and daughters get captured, we want them to be treated with decency. That's the right. that's what these rules of war are about. If you capture a soldier, you show them human decency. What we found out that these soldiers in there, it's almost like when you see uh, people work at slaughterhouses, how they treat these animals. And you're like, yes, these animals are about to be slaughtered. But there should be a moment of respect for the sacrifice they're about to make. And I know they're animals, man. But you see the way those guys treat those animals? That's a that's a, that's a a psychopath attitude. That's a broken person. What we saw them doing to these people that later on we found out these Taliban had nothing to do with it and they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time and got scooped up and thrown into Guantanamo and like been treated to like less than human beings. You don't want your, your sons and daughters to be treated like that. That's why you have to expose that because war is ugly. But fucking when you disrespect human life, that's even worse. And like for these women to demonize Julian Assange, Julian Assange has never gotten anything wrong. On that one episode of The View, they should be sued for slander. They should be sued for fucking just misleading the public. It's disgusting. It's ridiculous. And with Assange, the thing is, is that you say he's never gotten anything wrong. And one of the reasons he never gets anything wrong is because he doesn't say anything. He just publishes information. It is. And they say, oh, these are classified documents. But classification is just a title that someone in the government gave a document because they don't want you to see it. They act as if something being classified, it makes it by by some kind of, of king's right that no one is allowed to see it. It, well, that's essentially what it is, right? It's a king's right. It's it's the right of the of the U.S. government to say no one is allowed to see this thing. But the question becomes why? In our democratic republic, we are supposed to be as individuals the authority in the country. We're the ones who decide when we go to war. The reason that the public's supposed to decide that is because we have yep. congressional representatives who are supposed to represent our point of view, and they're supposed to go in and say if we go to war, we decide. Not a king, not an emperor, and not a president. But we don't have that system. And so, you know, when Assange publishes what, what he published, you know, the, the stuff that at the time Bradley Manning gave to him, you have, you know, guys on these on these helicopters shooting people, playing music and laughing at it. And they're shooting people from a wedding. I mean, imagine any wedding in the United States and have a, a, a helicopter from Afghanistan or Iraq flying overhead, just shooting the guests. And then afterwards they say, oh, those people were bad people. That's why we went there and shot everyone. That's the kind of stuff that he has revealed. So, so to pretend that he's an information terrorist. The other thing that, that Meghan McCain said that was so ridiculous uh, was she kept talking about how, you know, in this um, situation with Assange, that he's put men and women from our military in harm's way. That is a, such a load of crap. And it's always said 
it's always said that you're endangering people by telling the truth. You don't endanger people by revealing horrible things they've done. You're, you're, you're endangering them by doing the horrible thing. And you sending them, them into useless wars. Don't do the horrible thing. Yes, dude. It's just like, what is up is really down. And you, you're, you, oh, we had spies places. We had this, this, and that. No, what he fucking put out was that they were committing war crimes against human beings. Okay? Right. That's what they put, put out. You know, if they, they, there's no reason for that secrecy, man. Dude, they work for us. They work for us. And what we've seen is this movement the last 20 years, or actually since JFK's been assassinated, this deep state movement to basically hijack our government for bankers, and that's not code for Jews, that's code for bankers, okay? Swiss, (laughs) Germans, okay? Black nobility, all right? That's what this is about. And they have turned our army, our soldiers, our sons, our daughters, into stormtroopers for their interests. Why don't they want us to leave Afghanistan? Because that's where the poppy fields are. Why don't they want us to leave Afghanistan? Because that's where the minerals that they found that they need to fucking run these phones are. We are there for banking reasons. But the the reality, too, is that if people have to, you know, think back to 9-11, the anniversary is this week, right? Think back to 9-11, and the bottom line is, there was no one from Afghanistan on the planes that were hijacked. They were all Saudis. What's happened with that? 18 years later, we still don't ever hold Saudi Arabia responsible for the fact that Saudi nationals boarded planes and flew them into buildings in the United States. Oh, we, There's been no, no repercussion for that. It's even worse than that. We sell them more arms. We sell them more arms to commit this genocide that's going on. A humongous genocide in Yemen. And not only that, where do you think ISIS gets their their weapons from? Where do you think they get them from? They don't get from Russia. (laughs) They don't get from China. They get it from Saudi Arabia. We are selling arms, our arms, to a country that gives it to people who fight our sons and daughters. Well, and, and what's, I'll give you one more than that. They also get it directly from us because what the U.S. did in both Syria and Iraq is we go in there and we arm these freedom fighter groups. So if you take Syria as, as just an example, we went in there, we took this group called the FSA, which uh, John McCain, you know, never, never met a war he doesn't love, uh, went over there and fought for these guys that we need to support the FSA, the Free Syrian Army. They were a bunch of al-Qaeda guys. We gave them the al-Nusra. We gave them weapons. We trained them how to use them, and then they turned around, I kid you not, and this is all documented even in mainstream media and government documents. It's not even hidden. They turned around and gave all their weapons to al-Qaeda in Iraq and ISIS, or in Syria, excuse me, and ISIS, and they gave their weapons away. And so all the money that U.S. taxpayers are spending on these weapons that we're sending over there to help free the Syrian people are going to the very people that we're fighting. And if you look at, at, at what the U.S., again, this is the U.S. military is not even hiding it. If you look at their reports about what's happened in Iraq, what's happened in Syria, what happened in Libya, we arm these same actors who ultimately become al-Qaeda and fight us or become ISIS and fight us. We, and we do it all the time. It constantly happens. It happens in basically every country that we're actively involved in. So let's get into this 9-11. It is the, uh, it is the anniversary approaching. We, as you know, we always do 
we might not have spent, but the listeners know that we do our annual, this will be our third annual 9-11 episode, and we're going to break it down. But I feel like, I mean, I, there are still people who believe the official narrative, uh, and it blows my mind because it's literally impossible. There, Every moment of that thing is literally impossible. Now let's take into mind that we have even on two thousand, even in two thousand one, we spent more money on our defense than any other place. Now a whole argument is, and then we'll get into this University of Alaska study uh, yeah. that 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 NORAD couldn't stop this because NORAD is about protecting uh, the United States from outside threats, not in the th- like like. Like, planes can't fly into our country and stop something? Like, oh, dude, it got past Long Beach. There's nothing we could do. Good luck on that. Get a couple kites up there and see what you could do. Like, every moment of this thing makes absolutely no sense. So, Ben, there's this whole thing coming out, a new case uh, and a new investigation from the University of Alaska. What is that about? Yeah, so this is what we've covered in our podcast for this week, and we're going into a lot of details. So, um, there's a lot of detail to it, but about four years ago, uh, the group Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth commissioned a study being done by the University of Alaska and a guy by the name of Dr. Leroy Hulsey. Hulsey is one of the best in the world at what he does in terms of, of structural buildings and understanding uh, and looking at like how they are built, how they collapse. He's just an expert in this field, PhD multiple times over. Um, and so this guy uh, basically spent four years and over $300,000 studying just one building. So the, uh, remember, on, on 9-11, you had three buildings in New York that came down. You had uh, the North Tower and the South Tower, which were the World Trade Centers known as the Twin Towers. And then you had a third building, which was World Trade Center Building 7, that also came down. The two came down in the morning, the North Tower and the South Tower. That third tower didn't come down until about 5.26 p.m., on 9-11, and it came straight down. And so some of your listeners might be familiar. There's been a, a campaign for a few years now. I've been covering it for about six years, um, and it's called um, um, the Rethink 9-11 campaign. Did you know a third building fell on 9-11? Because most Americans actually don't know there was a third building in New York that came down. What's important about this is that NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, in 2008 put out a, a, an explanation for how this all happened, oh, right? God. Because they're, they're a government organization that's going to tell you what happened. And the problem is they are wrong in almost every conclusion that they have come up with of how this happened. And what they say is that it was office fires, it was furniture that fell out of the North Tower when it came down, that crashed into this building, it set office fires, it burned for so long that it actually created a progressive collapse and the building came down. You got to go watch the video of the actual building coming down for anyone who has not seen it or does not remember it. The thing falls straight down into its own footprint. It It looks like somebody sat in pancakes. It looks like somebody sat in a a chair made of pancakes. And and what else other people don't know is like after you look at Building 7, everybody, and you know this if you listen to this podcast, go check out Building 6. Go look at Building 6. How is it possible that fire rips everything but... The walls. I mean, go look at Building 6. It will blow your mind. It is mind-blowing what's going on there. Go look at what was in Building 6. Go look at the offices that are in Building 7. Go look at the what part of the Pentagon gets hit. You'll find out that most of it's accounting offices. Why? Why? Oh, yeah, the day before Donald Rumsfeld, and the, the lizard that he is, was talking about how 
the Pentagon's lost what? Was it either $6 trillion or $13 trillion the day before? And the words that come out of his mouth are literally, you're probably wondering why I want to attack. You probably think, why do I want to attack the Pentagon? Those words come out of his mouth verbatim. And then the next day, the Pentagon gets attacked. See, here's the problem with Building 7, Ben. Uh, There's something in there called pillars. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this (laughs) architectural thing. you got to have a black belt and architect to know about these things. They're called pillars. Now, pillars have one job. That is to keep the roof up and the roof from collapsing onto the floor because people are in these roofs, in these floors. So... They don't naturally fall like that. It is almost impossible for it to happen like that. What are the explanations? Is it, is it simply that fires yeah. melted these, what, toilet paper pillars? There's fires. No, it's actually a little more specific than that. What they say is that it is a, a, uh, a new kind of fire. Now, notice that, that language, a new kind of fire, as if fire is evolving. That's so uh, Which great. they say creates a progressive collapse because it burned for so long and so hot it created expansion of one beam, and there was one column that uh, a girder that uh, column that shifted off of its girder, and when it fell, then it caused the rest of the building to come falling down. Oh my one God. column. You know. Okay. Here's the thing. What's fascinating about this? Now, obviously, that's nonsense in and of itself. But even taking that, one of the, the things that Dr. Holsey did is that his team looked at it, and what they found out was that NIST. So the, the column, imagine it being just like a, a long rectangle and a perfect square. And what they, that was how NIST came up with this conclusion that it was able to slide and fall off. The problem was is that they, there's been a bunch of Freedom of Information Act requests that got a hold of the blueprints of the building. And Dr. Holsey's team was looking at these. And what they found was that it actually has this H shape. It's not a perfect square. It's like an H. So there's a square in the middle and then two two extra plates on either side of this. And because of those plates, which NIST removed when they came up with their scenario, because it had those plates, it would be impossible for it to fall. It could not have come down. It would have gotten locked. So even their crazy explanation, as hard as it to believe, was based on having to actually recreate a column that wasn't even there and redesign it in a way it wasn't designed in order to make this insane scenario work. Ben, uh, have you ever seen pictures of the World Trade Center being built and the the infrastructure of these buildings and what is put in there. Those buildings were built to take multiple hits by planes. Right. Multiple hits by planes. The men who designed it have said these were designed to be, if they were hit by planes, they could withstand them. Yeah. It would, ta- yeah. It would take explosives for this to happen. Explode! I mean, we hear. That's it. Look at that. Look at that, Ben. I don't know if you can see our screen. Uh, right. The picture there. Look at that. Look at the pillars there in there. Look at the steel that's built in there. That is meant to withstand hits. Now, Ben, have you done any investigation into the actual planes themselves? And whether they were commercial airlines, like everyone says, or did we just have a repeat of Operation Northwood? So I have not I have not investigated that part of it at all. Um, the, what I have really focused on is is looking at two essentially two things. One is for Building Seven. One is the actual you know report that this guy did. And I want to say one more thing about the report. Um, 
the, the doctor, Dr. Holsey, didn't just tell us that the NIST report was wrong. He also went back and he was able to demonstrate exactly how the building would have come down, the only way it could have come down. And that would have been for every single column inside the building. And there was something like 40 or 50 of these columns on the interior of the building to all have explosives on them. They would have all had to have been blown at the same time. Simultaneously, all of the exterior columns on the building would have also had to have had explosives and be blown about a second later in order to create that free fall. Uh, the way that it was created. There's, there's one other thing that's important here. This year, just about a month ago, a group of firefighters in New York who are part of the uh, New York Board of Fire Commissioners uh, for the um, Franklin Square Munson Fire District actually voted unanimously to request a new investigation into 9-11 based upon oral accounts and oral histories from firefighters who were on the scene on 9-11 who have reported that they heard explosions going off in the building before it fell down, that it was not a plane, that it was not office furniture, that they heard bombs going off. There's also a father of a son uh, named Bobby McElvain. Robert McElvain is his name, who says that his son, when he, they ultimately did the autopsy, said that he was hit by a force and impacted by a force. Well, he's, again, not in one of these towers where the plane hit. He's in this other building. So there's a lot of this, this uh, that's going on right now, I think, that's pretty significant in terms of of that Building 7, and not only the way it came down, but again, this is the first time in in the 18 years since 9-11 that an actual elected board has requested a new investigation into the way those buildings came down, and they've requested it for all three buildings, the North Tower, the South Tower, and Building 7, because they say firefighters in all three buildings heard explosions in the basement area before those buildings came down. Couldn't agree more. And listen, dude, it's people. It's the people that are going to demand that change. You know, it's like what we're seeing here and basically saying is that there's some dark arts behind this. I'm saying it's not Ben. I'm saying Saudi Arabia, Mossad, and the U.S. government work together to get this going, which is a false flag. Okay? And why do we have a false flag? And it's something I want to ask you about, Ben. Ben, do you think these false flags let people know where the power really lays? That, the, that they need the, the, the people to co-sign their bullshit for them to move forward. And when they don't, because we saw with Iran and the botching of the Japanese uh, uh, tanker and, and, and the shooting down of a drone and everyone's giving thoughts and prayers to the drone's family, you know, as a joke means on Instagram. Do you think that shows where the power is? That they have to fake this, they have to fake the funk to get us to get, get behind their war movement. Yeah, I think it does. And I think they have to fake it even more as time goes on because, because we've actually had an acceleration of people realizing that they've been lied to, right? It, it, people have known it for some time. You mentioned JFK, right? So if you go back to JFK, I mean, during the, the, the 60s, people, I think, were becoming much more aware of it. But think about just in the last 10 years, not the last 40 or 50, but the last 10 years, I think the, the general public in this country is much more aware of false flags, that these things are set up, that it's all a lie. The, the Iraq war, I think, helped with that tremendously. Remember, it's 2003, and we had reports of babies in incubators being thrown on the floor by Saddam's guards and the weapons of mass destruction, and then it's all lies. And then the public, I think, turns around and says, wait a minute. You, so not only did we lose American soldiers' lives, we lo about a million people died in Iraq over this. The entire region was destabilized and, and left in this horrific uh, humanitarian situation. 
And now you want to do it again and you want to do more and you want to just tell us to just trust you or just believe you. And so I think it becomes harder and harder to sell these things. And so you need the false flags. But at the same time, even those aren't helping because I think even that term false flag, you know, 20 years ago, who even knew what a false flag was? That's a term that, that, that has now become a huge part of the American vernacular. People know that term, and they didn't know it 10 years ago or 20 years ago, certainly not 20 years ago. They didn't know what the, a, a false flag was. They didn't know what blowback was. They didn't know what any of those terms meant. And so today, I think people are so much more aware of it that there have to be kind of uh, creative ways to get involved or create so much noise. And I think this is the strategy that's being employed now. Create so much noise on the internet. Create so much noise around Flood these it. subjects. Get involved in crazy things because if you do, then we can just kind of distract people with all the madness that's going on. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we saw we'll get in some Epstein stuff because we can't talk enough Epstein. <laughs> we can't. I literally, I'm being truthful. I can't talk about enough. People want to hear about that. That warms my soul up because it means that people know something's going on. Something's going on. But we have this Epstein situation happen. Uh, Everybody, you know, there's a blackout and everybody laughs. Uh, They're probably trying to kill (laughs) Epstein. Turns out they did. And then it botched. And then a week later, it happens. And But when that happens and they release all these documents... Boom! Two false flag, ha- two two shoot mass shootings happen. One in El Paso, one in Ohio. Both kids' parents have connections to intelligence services, uh, deep state shit. Whether it's uh, uh, DARPA in terms of the Ohio shooter or the CIA in terms of the El Paso shooter, there's always a connection to shift our focus from what's really going on. But we're still called conspiracy theorists. What's the latest? Latest in Epstein? Have you learned anything new? So the the latest that I have seen on it, first of all, is is the very sad reality that the story is drifting away, disappearing exactly as uh, they've wanted it to. And so, you know, if you go down the list, and there are about seven or eight things that took place. Just if we're talking about the so-called suicide, that wasn't a suicide, right? Uh, Do you think he's still alive? Ben, suicide ben. Do you think he's idea. still alive? So, uh, you know, I keep hearing from people who think that he is and they're making some pretty good points about it. You know, I don't personally, I don't yet. But listen, I I believe in not believing anything until you see it for yourself. And so, um, you know, I keep hearing from people who say, well, when when was the funeral? Why wasn't there a funeral held for this guy? Because, oh, because he was a bad person that he's not going to be buried. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I think that's a that's a legitimate question. There are a lot of legitimate questions about what happened to him and where is he now and where is his body and whether or not the body was the same one. But 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 I also believe this. It's very easy just to kill him. It's really easy. I mean, if you were in power and you don't want this guy talking about you and he's a Mossad, you know, intelligence asset, why not just kill him? And then don't bury the body because you create a lot of noise that surrounds this thing saying, well, where is he? Is he really dead? Is he on an island someplace? But why keep him alive? Why even bother keeping him alive? But you're keeping the story going in a lot of different directions. There have been, you know, credible multiple uh, uh, reports over the years about CIA tactics where they actually release different stories into the media intentionally in order to create so much confusion that no one knows what's happening. And I think that's this is one of those stories. So many things wrong with it that you don't even hide the fact that you suicided the guy. If you killed him, if he's actually dead, which I would tend to lean towards right now, 
there's no reason um, to, to, to even hide it. And they didn't hide it. They just, they outright uh, kill them in the most obvious way possible, in the most obvious manner possible. Hey, let's turn off the cameras in the room. That'll, because why would we have them on? Let's just turn them off. And then let's go in there and move his cellmate out. And then we'll, you know, we'll kill him, break the bones in his neck. It doesn't even matter. Because as I said, only, only one third of the population even believes that he actually committed suicide. But the end result still worked because the news cycle has moved on. No one's talking about Jeffrey Epstein. Um, Leslie Wexner, we did a, a, a podcast on this and talked a lot about this Leslie Wexner who runs Victoria's Secret, how heavily involved the Epstein he was. You know, he comes out and says, I was defrauded by Epstein. Now he's made himself into a victim. And so there's no charges against him, none against Ghislaine Maxwell, none against Bill Clinton, none against Kevin Spacey, none against Alan Dershowitz, none against Bill Richardson, none against Donald Trump. Nobody's, nobody's facing charges and if he's gone, then that ultimately becomes the end of it. And that was, I think, the point. Oh, my God. It's so insane, dude. And just, you know, what I find so interesting, we talk about on the show, is like how people flip out when you say, hey, nobody died in Sandy Hook. And we're not making a statement on that. I, I believe people died. But when somebody said, a guest said that on Alex Jones' channel, uh, people flip out. But at the same time, they laugh at uh anyone who thinks Pizzagate's real. And it's just like, why are some kids uh, uh, sacred and some kids expendable? Expendable, And we just have people almost, it's almost so interesting how people almost get happy when quote-unquote a conspiracy theorist, their theories don't work out or what they thought was going to be justice never happens. And I go, that's not bad for us. That's bad for all of us, not just the yeah. people who want to see justice happen and doesn't happen. You know, like when, you know, the whole notion of them drop, like to me, there's something so incredibly weird about how quick the, 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 the charges were dropped. And I know he's dead. I know he's dead. But right. you see cold cases go on forever that never get solved and never like, yeah, we know he's dead, but we're going to, you know, it's just like, I know that involves a victim being dead and not the person charged, but it's just like, why drop it? Like, what is it? Right. What's it, what's it do to you to keep that case open? Put it in a file, mm. put it in the files cabinet and don't touch it again, but you got to drop it. Why is that? And that makes me right. think well, something the, else is going and on. And they don't just drop it. They dismiss the charges, right? It's a very specific thing you're doing. You're saying we're, we're asking the court to dismiss the charges against this person. And, and I am not a lawyer. But to me, the first thought when this happened, and I actually I talked about it on air, is that the, what's confusing to me is if you go through the process of dismissing the charges, do you make it harder now to charge a co-conspirator? Because a co-conspirator is only a what? A co conspirator, which means that anything you charge them with is going to have to be somehow connected to the original case in the first place, unless you build an entire case around them. The problem is, is that you didn't raid their house. You raided Jeffrey Epstein's house. You went to his island you, well, a month late, but you went to his island. And so you go through this whole process. And I think you create a, a situation where it becomes very difficult to charge anyone as a co-conspirator. If that person's lawyer can then turn around to the court and say, well, they're a co-conspirator with someone who had charges dismissed against them. And, Not an open case, dismissed against them. And, and then you see this gentleman on YouTube who's using a drone over 
Epstein's Island, and they're they're doing pool maintenance on a dead man's pool. Why? Why does it look like it. Jeffrey Epstein and Notorious B.I.G. are cleaning up this guy's pool? Why does it look like that? What? What do? Why are you doing lawn maintenance? Why are you keeping up the island if if nobody's going to be there anytime soon? No one should want to buy that. Right. You can't sell oh, that. Some dude. Yeah, you can sell it to a scumbag elitist. Go on, Ben. Sorry. Uh, no. Why not? Why not sell it to? Someone who's not a scumbag who can then actually access the island of what was actually there. What was, what's actually on that island and his weird satanic temple and all the, you know, the stuff that's going on there. But again, you know, if you look at, at how this whole thing has played out, it, there wasn't even an effort made to hide the fact that we're not really trying to get Jeffrey Epstein. They didn't try to get him in 2008. They didn't try to get him for the dozen years that went by in between his slap on the wrist and you know, he being arrested again the second time that nothing was done. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we need to paint this picture into something else. So Jeffrey Epstein is the bad guy. Make him the ghoul. Make him as bad as we possibly can. Let's kill him. And then it's over with. And then we can move on because the new cycle needs to move on. And, and it's even, uh, you know, I think the kind of thing where even though the public as a whole knows it's all bull, they know that they've been lied to. They know what's going on here. What can you do about it? Right. That's that's where we find ourselves back to. And this whole uh, story of elites who are pedophiles, it's so interesting to me that even to this day, most mainstream sources refuse to call Jeffrey Epstein a pedophile or they just that's not a term they want to use when they describe him. And so they're very, very careful because they're so afraid they're going to lean into these other very high profile cases where of accusations made against elite circles of pedophiles, which have been made since the 1980s, those accusations have been made, with a lot of proof. Well, I mean, let's get into the fact that they refuse to say child sex trafficking, and they only say sex trafficking. Over and over and over again. Let's just take a look at the Clinton Global Initiative. Within the year 2019, there have been four cases in which the Clinton Global initiative, a a global initiative that Jeffrey Epstein said he helped create. He did it. There is documentation of him sending out documents saying I was a co-founder of the Clinton Global Initiative. So we have Nexium. We have Epstein. We have El Chapo. El Chapo was brought up on child sex trafficking charges and John of God. Both of them, part of the Clinton, all four of them, the Clinton Global Initiative. At what point does it no longer just become bad luck or coincidence and we start seeing a pattern? At what point do we really say we don't like pedophilia? Because it just seems like Penn State lost a, did lose a second of football time. Michigan State did lose one scholarship when they were discovered rapid pedophilia. What are we doing here? I mean, it's just unbelievable. What does this chick need to do? Now it's coming out that she's, th- and we're going to get into Tulsi Gabbard getting screwed. Uh, yeah. I mean, like we have, we have Hillary Clinton talking to Elizabeth Warren about the 2020 election. How is this woman allowed 
to even tweet. What does it take? If if Dunkin' Donuts not, got busted with pedophilia, I mean, look at Subway. They're they're fucking they're they're spokesman pedophilia. Didn't lose one sandwich. Nobody stopped eating any. Nobody said fuck it. I'm going to Quiznos. Nope. No one cares. Sandwiches are five bucks. I don't know, man. I don't know. And now you got this new election coming. We see them screwing Tulsi Gabbard. I know people say she's CFR. She's Sheldon Anderson's puppet. Possibly, you know. But we're seeing the people not getting what they're doing. We're seeing the DNC committing the same. The same. I mean, the DNC is doing so well. They now have to go get political money from Mexico. Because nobody's throwing them any money. What are your thoughts on Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard? Yeah, you know the thing with with Tulsi is, um, look as a, as a candidate, I I don't uh, really care one way or the other, you know where candidates stand. But as a journalist, I look at the the game that's being played with uh, Tulsi right now to remove her from that debate stage. So she's not going to be allowed to debate in this uh, this upcoming debate. She's gotten completely screwed uh, by the DNC because they did not like. I think it's because she, they did not like what she did to uh, Kamala Harris in the last debate where she eviscerated her and basically laid out here is her record as a prosecutor and the fact that she had people on death row and suppressed him for um, uh, evidence that could have gotten people off of death row and 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 did what a moderator by the way what Tulsi Gabbard did to Kamala Harris is what a moderator is supposed to do in these debates moderators don't do that you know Chuck Todd in the first debate actually talked more than the candidates did and it wasn't about it wasn't him asking questions it's him just pontificating about bs and so what i think what we need to see is is a a, a stronger um opportunity first of all for those candidates to be able to you know be in these debates but the other thing is um between what, what's happening with Tulsi, obviously we know that the DNC and Bernie, what they did to him last time. Uh, with Tulsi, they're doing the same thing again. They have this super delegate thing, which was actually created, by the way, after Jimmy Carter became president. Because the, the, the uh, DNC didn't like the fact that Jimmy Carter actually appealed to people. And by the way, whether you like Jimmy Carter or not, was the last president we had that did not start a war anywhere. The last president that we had in this country who was not a war president... Uh, and then the DNC said, we're not going to have this guy anymore. So they created superdelegates so that they could override the will of their voters, uh, ultimately, w- when they are selecting their candidate. But what's really interesting about that that whole scenario is that if you look at what's happening right now uh, with the DNC and what's happening with Tulsi and what's happening really across the board, is that what we need to recognize in this country is that these organizations, the Republican Party, which, by the way, now says it's not going to have... Uh, caucuses and primaries, even though there are a couple of candidates who want to run against Trump. Well, we're not going to have those. We're not going to bother having those. They say that they are private clubs. Therefore, they no election rules uh, apply to them. They can do whatever they want to do. They can prevent you from voting in their primaries. They can have superdelegates. They can not have a, a primary. They can have a... They have no rules on them. They can do whatever they want because they're private clubs. And yet, American taxpayers are subsidizing the Republican and Democratic parties at $300 million a year. Why are we giving them $300 million a year as taxpayers to private clubs that say we'll make up rules and prevent you from having a voice or prevent candidates from being able to run? And so that's my biggest issue with it. If the Republicans and Democrats want to be private clubs, they need to be private clubs. But they should not be allowed to use taxpayer-funded entities 
voting should not take place in schools and firehouses. You need to pay for all of it yourselves or it needs to be completely open so that anybody can vote and you don't get to run people out of deb debates because you make up some crazy arbitrary rule for polling that doesn't seem to make any sense to anybody. The facade of democracy is dying. And that is why I believe the Second Amendment is the most important issue of our time. And I believe once those go, bad shit follows. And history has shown that. You know, when if you're Jewish, if you're uh, uh, Russian, if you're Armenian, if you're uh, Chinese, mm -hmm. and you're on Twitter talking about taking away guns, you don't know your own history. When the confiscation of guns come, genocide always follows. Now there's this whole thing that this truth movement is just being allowed to happen so they know who's shit talking, so when the time comes, they come for us. And I say, bring it. Bring it, dude, because I'd rather die free than this bitch-ass shit you guys are trying to get us to do. This woke shit. Oh, good, you got a black boyfriend and a gay friend. That mean, that doesn't mean you're a liberal, man. Liberal is open-minded to all things, including things you don't like, meaning you'll hear their point of view. And anything, anything other than that is not liberalism, and that is manufactured psyop shit. Progressivism, uh, uh, social justice warrior bullshit. Leftism is not liberalism. The DNC is not liberalism. Liberalism is we are all equal. We should all get treated like that. So I see uh, we were talking earlier about how this gentleman, and we'll wrap it up after this, uh, Daniel Mc, McAdams of the Ron yeah. Paul Institute just got banned on Twitter for a week for using the word retarded. Guess what, Ben? I was banned for one week from Twitter for explaining what the word retard meant. That it didn't mean mentally challenged. It meant f dumb asshole. Uh, I, my girlfriend hates me right now and I flunked first grade. Guess what that makes me? A dumb asshole. Okay? So I'm retarded. You can't take my word from me. All right? This is what we're seeing, dude. These weird rules that they use to, to, to ban the dissension. The ban, the, uh, ban uh, I hate the word alternative. But who are these people to decide what is what is offensive and not offensive? Especially we got somebody like Google who just thought it was okay to sell the data of children without their parents' permission right. to fucking people. What are your whole thoughts on that? Yeah, well, that's a that's a great point. I mean, I I, I can't make a better point than that. When when Google and they get this slap on the wrist, hundred and seventy million dollar fine. Oh, don't do that anymore. Why are people going to jail for that? You took data of people's children and sold it. And at the same time, yeah, you're absolutely right. We have this insane, and that's why I used the term in the beginning, so we kind of come full circle here, of social engineering companies. So what Twitter did with Daniel McAdams, so Dan, I know Daniel, he's a guy from the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Basically, he's an anti-war guy, and that's what he talks mostly about. Is any and, and he calls out he calls out bullshit. If it's whether it's Venezuela and what the US is trying to do down there or what they're doing in Syria, or what they're doing in Libya. I mean, that's essentially what he does over there. And he's a very informed guy. And so he referred to Sean Hannity as retarded and not even in his actual tweet. He, he put out this tweet and then someone responded to him. And then in, in the response, he said, it's retarded. And what he was saying was this. Sean Hannity spent an entire 30 minutes of his show talking about the deep state. And now he wanted to, you know, the deep state is destroying America. And he says that while he's sitting there, he's wearing a pin that's a CIA pin 
on his lapel. And oh so what he wrote was that, that Sean Hannity is retarded if he's, if he's you know, angry at the deep state, but he's okay with the CIA because that is the very definition of the deep state. That was his point. And so Twitter banned him and then he you know, asked to be reinstated and they said, no, you've been permanently banned. Permanently banned? Meanwhile, Chrissy Teigen goes on Twitter and, and uses a, a whole list of expletives talking about President Trump is she banned from Twitter? Yeah. What she said is, you know, actually obscene as opposed to what he said, which you might <laughs> consider just to be, uh, you know, not very tasteful. But it's not even like hate speech, whatever that is. It's not even hate speech. So the, the fact that this is happening, I think, just goes back to what we were talking about before, that you have these social engineering companies that are trying to control who has a voice, who's allowed to speak, because if they can if they can funnel, they think, if they can funnel everyone into this same mindset, they can make everyone believe the same thing. And that's where they're wrong. What, what, what Google is going to find out, what Twitter and Facebook are gonna find out, is they think they're going to be able to dominate the masses by controlling their point of view. And instead, what they're gonna do is squeeze too hard. And you over-squeeze and everything's gonna kinda come out in, in just other forms, competition, uh, other platforms that will be created and made in order to to push back against this. And I think that's what has to happen. It's, it's something that we're building. There's something called Ice Media. We're working on a platform right now in order to be able to give everyone, everyone a platform where they have free speech because we believe so strongly in free speech. I don't have to agree with your speech to fight for it and defend it. Even if it's offensive, who cares? My, I have also have the freedom to not listen to you if I don't agree with you or don't like you. But this idea of purging people, I think it's it's an overstep and in a few years, we'll be talking about, hey, remember when Twitter and Facebook and Google made the mistake of overstepping and overreaching? I couldn't agree with you more. I was watching an old clip of Jon Stewart, and I forgot how much of a master Jon Stewart was and how he was talking about how crazy the Republican Party is. And now, five years later, we're talking about how crazy the DNC is. I think people need to remember, stop getting into R's and D's. Because they work for it. They're yep. two heads of the same. I don't even want to say snake because I'm team serpent. They're two <laughs> heads of the same monster. Okay? And they used to say, a Republican. Well, dude, I don't know if you remember this, Ben. Only a couple of years ago, they were saying, we don't see a Republican president ever winning the presidency again. And now they're saying, yes. will the DNC ever survive? These are the tactics they play. They go back and forth. Good cop, bad cop. Don't forget about who pushed on you weapons of mass destruction. Who pushed on you uh, that, 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 that George Bush won Florida. It was Fox News with co-signing from CNN. Okay. And now it's MSNBC with Hillary got hacked and, and uh, Russiagate. They are working for the same people. And we're going to know this. The UFC this weekend was on FX Fox. And that was not talked about. Because they did not want you to go, why is the UFC on Fox? I thought it was bought out by ESPN. Because then you'll realize Disney owns both of them. And then you're going to be like, oh, fuck. Right. That's one less That's right. voice having saying what's going on. Ben, one more time. Tell them where you're uh, about your podcast. Absolutely. So the podcast, again, is brand new. It's it's Truth in Media with Ben Swan. You can find it on iTunes and, and Stitcher and uh, Spotify, all those locations. If you go to truthinmedia.com, that's the website, truthinmedia.com. You can also find all the links there. We're putting it up there. Uh, we release it every single Tuesday at noon. Uh, and again, we're hitting kind of big subjects. So we're doing 9-11. We'll be talking about the, um, the upcoming stuff with uh, whistleblowers and WikiLeaks and what's happening with that 
uh, those attacks right now. And we're doing a big one on vaccines. We talk a lot about vaccines because there's been such an effort, especially in California, to absolutely remove the rights of all parents in that area. We got an upcoming piece on that as well. So I encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, look for it. It's not as long as, as uh, or as funny as your show is, Sam. Ben, <laughs> we, we all we're, have we're skills, okay? For sure. You're a great reporter. You're an awesome investigator. And you're a 10, okay? I'm a, sure. I'm a, I, I have one skill in life. Talk shit and I'm an ogre. <laughs> But together, we're like the greatest crime find duo ever. You play by the book, I can't read. Together, we're going to clean up the streets, okay? Ben, it is always an honor to have you on my show. I always get blown away that you would even come on my show. So I am such a huge fan of yours, and I'm so happy. And listen, everybody, with smart TVs, you don't have to watch the news anymore. You can go to Ben's website and watch it on your smart TV and actually watch it like it's the news. You don't need to do you don't need to tune into cable anymore it those days are done it takes a couple clicks but trust me you'll be getting the real good stuff okay the clean stuff the good shit okay we appreciate you ben and uh please if you're ever in la come to in studio i gotta touch that hair i gotta touch it it. i gotta know it's real You're a gorgeous human oh, being, and you are a Ronin amongst Ronin. We appreciate you, Ben. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on the show. I owe you a big one. Thanks so much. Take appreciate care, it. buddy. That's Ben Swan. Hey, we're gonna see you in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, we are. We're gonna see Do you it. in. We're gonna see you in Austin, New York City, the main room of the Comedy Store. We'll see you guys soon. Aaron, I love you. Take care, guys. <laughs>